self-care. I'm Jen, lifestyle YouTuber and your host of this podcast, where we dive deep with insightful guests to find out how self-care has played a role in their success. Welcome to our community. everyone and welcome back to our community. I am recording this as my boyfriend stands in the room so forgive me if I start laughing at any point. (laughs) Okay so this week's episode is actually pretty long so I'm going to keep this intro pretty short but it is such an amazing episode. We have Isabel of Good Gut Feelings on the podcast but before I introduce her we have to talk about what was in alignment and out of alignment for us this week. So what was in alignment for me this week was actually strength training. I am a bit of an intuitive workouter, so there are some times where I feel more, you know, gravitating towards yoga or Pilates, and then there are times where I'm really into cardio or strength training, and I feel like I've been on a bar and Pilates kick for quite a while. I just haven't really wanted to, like, sweat it out. I haven't had that much energy the past few months to do anything so hardcore but I just found myself really craving strength training and lifting weights and that feeling you get after a really intense workout and you you know your body's craving a smoothie and you get in the shower and it's just such a good feeling so I I started getting back into Sydney Cummings as you know if you follow me on YouTube I did Sydney Cummings for about a month, and ever since then, I have been so burnt out from strength training because it was so intense, and it was just a really long month, and all I wanted to do was do Pilates and yoga and and just do really low-impact exercises. I got a lot of comments on that video saying, you tried Sydney Cummings out on the hardest month. You have to try her other videos. So I, this week, tried out her 33-minute burn videos, and I loved it there were no repeats of exercises so you did one exercise in strength training for two minutes and then you move to the next one it was a lot like pilates where you're pulsing it out and burning it out but with heavier weights and it was you know strength training like deadlifts and such so i am just really loving that i'm back into that i started doing the peloton i don't do cardio i don't spin so i'm just i'm loving this new strength training and cardio part of me I think intuitive working out should really be a new term because I can't do strength training when I just don't have the energy to do it and I don't feel in the mood at all so I like to just follow whatever my body wants that day and this week it was strength training so that was what was in alignment for me this week and what was out of alignment for me this week was definitely I got my first vaccine shot which was amazing and funny story they turned me away at first and then they called me back later and told me never mind you can come back so that was an interesting experience but I have had swollen glands and a bit of a throat ache since getting the vaccine and then I'm also severely hungover right now because we don't go out anymore we don't like you know I'll have a glass of wine here and there but I don't remember the last time I like drank during the day drank at night was having white claws and beers and like a mix of different drinks so I'm just my head is really pounding right now so just physically I'm not feeling the best but doing those intense workouts definitely helped a lot so it's all about balance am I right Ethan totally (laughs) I hope the mic is picking that up totally totally 
I've been mixing my Saqqara detox tea with the Saqqara digestive tea. And the combo, let me tell you, is amazing because the digestive one is pretty low-key. It's kind of just like a, a light peppermint tea. There's not that much flavor. But the detox tea is like a rose and a lot of nice flavor. So mixing the two is just chef's kiss. Okay, so I hope you guys are reflecting on your weeks as well. I hope you guys had a great week. As always, there's always going to be some shitty aspects of the week and some great aspects of the week, but if we can at least reflect on sometimes the most mundane things are the only things to be grateful for that week, and if you can just take a second to reflect on it, it makes everything seem a little bit lighter. So let's breathe in what was in alignment for us this week and breathe out what was out of alignment for us this week. So let's introduce Isabel of Good Gut Feelings. She is a holistic health coach in New York City, and she's also a health and wellness blogger. She is all about making the gut-to-soul connection, healing IBS, intentional living, and we will talk all about that in this episode. Good Gut Feelings is your resource for building a lifestyle that supports your gut health in a way that aligns with the life you want to live. So she not only talks about nutrition, but also mindfulness practices and the connection between anxiety and your brain and your gut and her focus as both a health coach and a yoga instructor is to help her clients and students hone in on their unique needs and strengthen the connection to their bodies in order to create a lifestyle that works to support them instead of holding them back. So we talk about a range of different topics in addition to of course we spoke a lot about the correlation between anxiety and IBS, the gut and the brain connection, learning how to get yourself into a meditative state, intentional living, living to your intuition, gut-to-soul connection, and all of that. But we also had a really in-depth conversation about getting past the pressures of working in corporate world and how to realize when you're unhappy and being really reactive and negative in your home life and realizing where that's stemming from and how to actually do something about it and take control of your happiness and We spoke a lot about, you know, the story we're telling ourselves versus what's really happening and working through that inner work. She speaks about shadow work a lot. We just talk about a whole range of really intuitive topics. So I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this episode. And as always, if this episode would help a friend or makes you think of someone or you know someone who would really enjoy it, please send them the link to this episode. And as always, please, 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 if you haven't already, give this podcast a five-star rating, a review. Reading your reviews really make my week and they help people find this podcast, which in turn helps us get more amazing guests like Isabel. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hello, Isabel. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you very much for having me. I'm so excited to have you. So we're going to get into all things gut health, intentional living, everything that you're about, but we have to start with your top self-care tip that has played a role in your success. Top self-care tip. This may be specific to me because I am an introvert, but alone time is like my bread and butter. And I don't know if that's a universal tip, but for me, that is like the most crucial part of self-care because in those moments where I'm alone like sometimes self-care literally is just like mindlessly scrolling on Instagram where you need to like kind of take a break from your mind and sometimes 
in that alone time, I get to, you know, maybe I need to take like a really long hot shower. Like I don't, you get to kind of just see what unfolds. So for me, I think it's alone time, at least right now in, you know, the late stages of the pandemic, sometimes um, being alone, like we were just talking about before we started recording mm-hmm. in a very small apartment is like <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I completely agree. But to the point where I'm at a point right now where I'm like, I have gotten too much alone time. I need to start being social again. Like I have been yes. such, such an introvert the past eight months because we've had such an excuse to be. And I agree. Mm-hmm. It's been like, it has been such self-care. Like no matter what I'm doing, just the fact that I'm alone, like being intentional with myself and like, I, you can be really intuitive when you're alone and just listen to exactly, exactly. what your body and your mind wants you to do. And when you have a roommate or you're living in a house with a family, like you don't really get those moments as frequently. So I was actually just talking about this with my friends yesterday. How I'm like really trying to appreciate the time where I live alone right now because I'm moving in with my boyfriend soon and it's going to be amazing in its own way. But I'm with you like alone time just fills me up. I think it's also interesting because of that. A lot of people right now are also craving like not like self-sabotage, but like I want to go out and get super drunk and eat like 12 cheeseburgers as long as I'm with people and like having fun. Like I just want out of this. I just, that's self-care exactly. right now. Exactly. I, I think it really ebbs and flows like what your self-care is. I could ask you in six months and it might be something different. So I, that's why I love starting with that question because every single person has had a different answer. It's wild. Yeah. Okay. So I want to get into... There's so much I want to talk to you about, but I love just starting with your story and like how you even got into whatever we're going to talk about because I think it just gives such context and I just like, I like when people can get to know you at first and we can like see what your journey was to this point. So I would love to just take it back. I know you started blogging in like 2017 about gut health. What made you start that in the first place? That's an interesting question. And I feel like every time I'm asked this question, I have a different answer because I'm like allotted more time in between each answer to think about that a little bit more. Um, But I started blogging. I did. I had, you know, a lovely childhood. My family is still together. Nothing wrong in any regard. By all means, I went to college. I got a business degree. I went, you know, I joined the sorority. I by all means had the upbringing and life that I thought I was supposed to have. It felt like the movies and I just kind of did all the things. I ticked all the boxes and I graduated college with um, a cushy technology job at a big tech firm. I I guess I can say what my job is now because I just quit. I was always so hesitant (gasps) to share where I worked. Thank you. I graduated and I worked at IBM for the past four years and <laughs> no offense to anyone who loved like federal government consulting, but that was just not my passion. <laughs> and I knew that right away. And I wanted something else to kind of fill my time with. Um, you know, you're a college graduate, all of a sudden you have money for the first time ever. And the concept of spending in college versus spending when you have a regular paycheck was just kind of mind mind blowing to me. So I was like, what am I going to do? I started going to yoga a lot more often, realized I loved yoga, ended up getting my yoga teacher certification. I'm kind of in that same time frame, started paying more attention to cooking and grocery shopping. You know, I could afford to go to Whole Foods every once in a while versus just like buying Kroger brand like mac and cheese for, you know, mm-hmm. whatever in college. And started documenting it just because I, I followed at the time 
Um, I think like who the big bloggers were, you know, four years ago, like Shut the Kale Up, Rachel's Good Eats, Rachel Mansfield, who are still phenomenal and, you know, very successful bloggers, but they were kind of the only like health bloggers that I really knew about. And one day just kind of had this like, I could, I could do that on like a very different scale, a very small scale, but started posting pictures of like yogurt bowls topped with, you know, I don't know, um, like fruit and granola thinking I was like the most creative person in the world. (laughs) Um, and I was doing it on my personal Instagram where everybody followed me. And I kind of was like, I really don't think like the boy I made out with like three years ago at a frat party who follows me like needs to see my yogurt bowl. So like, I'm gonna like (laughs) make a new account. Um, just because like, I just wanted to keep my lives separate. So uh, I started that and it really was just kind of like a separate passion account to keep me busy outside of the hours of work. When I first started, I was on a completely remote project, remote before remote was even trendy or what anybody was doing obviously because of the pandemic um but I you know I just graduated I was living at home with my parents I got put on an entirely remote project where everybody on my team was very (laughs) old and it was a really small team and I had like nothing to do and no one to talk to and I had a lot of free time because nobody was you know following up with me every minute of the day they didn't really care what I did so I was just like I guess I'll use this extra time to do something so that's how it started. It has evolved, obviously, in a gazillion different ways since then. But it really was just kind of like I had free time and money for self-discovery and was just kind of birthed out of that. Yeah. So were you struggling with IBS at that time or was that not even the focus yet? Mm-hmm. It, was, I, it, was, it wasn't the focus, but I had been struggling with it for like t- 10 years at that point, 12 years at that point. And it was just something that I was, I was really not in tune with my body. It was more just like a, you know, my stomach hurts after everything I eat. I guess I can try cutting out dairy. I guess I can blame it on gluten. You know, at one point I was like, I think I'm allergic to eggs, just really uneducated sort of like guesses about what was wrong with my body. And had been diagnosed with IBS, but I had no idea what that meant. What that meant, so I wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. tailoring any of my meals to it. It was just kind of like, yeah, I care about healthy food and yoga, and also like my stomach hurts ninety nine percent of the time, but that's not part of my story yet, because I just I was so out of touch with my body that it didn't occur to me as something that I could be in control of myself. It was just kind of like existing in the background of everything that I did. It's also such an ambiguous diagnosis, I think, because I was also diagnosed with IBS, and I I feel like it's almost the last resort. Like, they test you for all these things, and then they're like, well, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that. Oh, you just have IBS. Mm-hmm. And they might throw some medications at you. They might say, you know, eat slower, chew slower, whatever it is. But, like, it's a very ambiguous diagnosis, And I don't feel like it's a one-size-fits-all thing. Like, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what the low FODMAP diet is, it's basically a list of foods that you're supposed to cut out and eliminate and then, like, reintroduce to see if they trigger you, like garlic, onion. And, like, for me, that just didn't work. I cut all those things out, and I still had symptoms, and it's still unclear. Like, I'm just – it feels like a a lonely person's journey. Like, there's no one to really help you through it. Like, I feel like – 
the doctors are just very much like, okay, here, try this medicine. Does it work? I don't know what to tell you. And it's just not something where it's the same for everyone. And I think that's where it gets really hard and lonely on an IBS journey because it's not, it's not, um, you know, anxiety relief or something like that where you can go try out certain techniques. I don't, it's just like complicated. Like it's different for everyone and nothing, I feel like I know so many people with IBS and nothing works the same for all of us. Right. It's like you're given or you're told that you're solving a puzzle, but nobody gives you the puzzle pieces and they're just like, yeah, you're actively solving a puzzle. And you're like, okay, what does the puzzle look like? Like, what color is it? They're like, I don't know. You figure that out. You're like, can you give me like a hint or a clue? And they're like, no, you you just figure it out by yourself, which is like, yeah. okay. <laughs> Yeah, and I've seen like two nutritionists at this point because I was like, okay, you know, the the doctors aren't really doing anything, the meds don't work. Let's let's try someone who can help me holistically. And it gets to a point where they're just like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, so what am I supposed to do? So, so then, I will we'll get into IBS and all things like what helps IBS and intentional living and all of that. But before we get there. I am also curious when you got certified to be a health coach because you got your yoga certification Mm -hmm. when you started blogging. So when did you decide to become a health coach? So I had been kind of as a product of being interested in healthy food and healthy cooking and kind of like social media was beginning to popularize wellness. And I was very interested in kind of reading, well, first of all, if you would dial it back like a you know, 10 years, I was like, (laughs) buying self help books and diet diet books, which is a whole nother story. In high school, like if I went to the bookstore, like I would go straight to the like self help and diet section. So I've always been incredibly interested in health and wellness, and didn't know that you could be a health coach until I had graduated college. And um, I think it was on social media. And I just seen that other people had done certifications. And I started asking more questions and eventually was kind of back in that situation of yoga teacher training where I had this job that was not very demanding. I was pretty bored. I was pretty lonely. You know, they were paying me more money than I knew what to do with. I was living at home. I was trying to think of ways that I could enjoy myself. And that was truly something I wanted to do. So I did a lot Mm -hmm. of research and ended up finding a course. Um, I didn't do IIN because I wanted something that was rooted a little bit more deeply in science. And to me, the experience I had heard from other people was not quite what I was looking for out of IIN. So I ended up going to the Nutritious Studio, which actually just got bought, and I'm not sure what they are called now, but it was put together by a registered dietitian named Carrie Glassman, who is just a phenomenally brilliant woman who lived in New York and created this whole basically school based on you know science-based evidence and continued dietetics research that she put into a course that walked you through health coaching. And I, I found it through my friend Lisa Haim, who is very good friends with Carrie. And she was like, oh, you know, if you're interested and don't want to do IIN, I think this is a really great option. And I ended up working my way through that quite slowly. I didn't know if I ever wanted to be a health coach. I was more just doing it for educational purposes. I had done Mm -hmm. so much research on my own. I mean, there's so much stuff you can find on the internet as long as you are going to credible sources. And I felt like I (laughs) wanted some sort of certificate backing what I knew because while there is so much you can find on the internet, as long as you're checking your sources and making sure there's credible 
you know, nobody, nobody cares still, even if you're like, Hey, I did a really good job researching. Nobody wants to trust you unless you have the certificate or you have the, you know, whatever, which is important. It's very important, but that was a very long winded answer as to how I ended (laughs) up doing health coaching. Um, but I never knew that I wanted to use it. It was never in my original plan. I was more just kind of collecting knowledge and collecting things that made me feel a little bit more like myself um, mm-hmm. that were, you know, to fill my time with things that I thought was, thought were interesting. Yeah. What, what kind of strikes me there is something that I'm realizing recently too, is like when you are going down a quote unquote traditional path of like you go to college, then you get out of college and you're expected to just get like a corporate job like everyone else. And it's, it's sort of ingrained in us and in society that that's the path that you need to go. Mm-hmm. And becoming a health coach isn't necessarily something that like isn't offered service in college or a degree um so it's interesting that like you just sort of were moving with the motions of how you were expected to go through life even though you weren't enjoying your job or anything so how did you get to this point then after getting certified and you're still in your job where you're like let's let's make this my job yeah yeah you know that that's a really interesting question that I feel like should have a simple answer like the answer should be oh, I just thought this was more interesting. So I made a plan and decided that I would quit. But of course, just I just I am such an overthinker and such an analyzer. And I, I think a really big part of my brand today and the things that I work on with my clients and a lot of what I talk about on Instagram is kind of exactly, you know, what you just asked. Like, how do we end up in these places in life where we are going through the motions, we're not enjoying ourselves, we're doing this sort of like, like, path that we think we should be doing and all of a sudden we look around and we're like oh my god how did I get here I don't like any of this like I don't like Mm -hmm. any of the things or the people or the work that I'm spending you know 60 hours a week of my life doing how did I get here and I think kind of tying back to something you said earlier where a lot of times nutritionists or people that you're working with are kind of like oh, you know, we tried the low FODMAP diet and that didn't work. Like, I I don't know how to help you. I think the piece that everybody is missing is that sort of larger, like big picture. Oh my God, how did I get here? Because that's where you get the stress and you get the sort of like coping mechanisms is something I talk about a lot. And the little ways that we do try to make ourselves feel seen that are not big enough to actually create an impact like me doing the yoga teacher training or me getting my health coach certification was a step in a great direction. But without using any of those things, I wasn't actually making anything better for myself. Mm -hmm. And I think over the series of, you know, we could talk, (laughs) go all the way back to, you know, inner child work and shadow work and all of that Mm -hmm. really hard stuff that ultimately is the reason for why we end up saying yes to the things that we don't want to do and doing the path that we think we're supposed to do to impress our parents and to make everyone around us feel, you know, safe and happy and secure. At least that's my experience with it. That's very much why I ended up where I did end up. And I think that eventually one day I was just like, you know, I looked around me and just kind of like what I was saying, I was like, I don't, I don't, want this job. I don't care about this money. I don't like the stress that comes with it. I don't like what it's done, you know, to a lot of areas of my life and realized that I had without, without intentionally doing it, 
been laying building blocks to build myself a foundation for what did make me very, very happy. You know, I never started the Instagram account with the intention to make it a business. I never did Mm -hmm. yoga teacher training with the intention to, you know, reestablish this connection with my body that would drive so much of the conversations that I have today. I never did the health coaching with the, I never, I never thought I would use my health coaching certification. And then one day I turned around and I looked at all of these sort of building blocks that I had laid for myself without realizing. I was like, oh, I think I have something here that I can launch off of. But that also is coupled with a lot of therapy and my therapist pointing out how unhappy I was and suggesting I make a plan to do something about it, which to me, it was like, you mean, you mean I can quit? And she was like, "Uh uh-huh. How how about you set a date? And I was like, oh my God, I, I never thought I'd have the permission to do this, which is funny because like you should be the person giving yourself permission to do the things that you want to do but anyway it was never really on purpose a few things just struck me there because one I'm realizing that so many people that I speak to and that I you know have on this podcast say that they got certified to be a health coach but didn't intend on using it and then now here they are so I just find that so interesting that it's like you don't realize you're trying to fulfill this side of you, but you don't feel like you can actually do it because mm-hmm. like you just said, you you didn't realize you had the permission to do it and that you could make those decisions for yourself. So you were fulfilling a part of you, but not realizing that you could actually go all in with it. And I had that experience the other day where I said something to my boyfriend about like a big life decision. And I, I said, I can't, like, I just can't do that. And he was like, what do you mean you can't? It was so powerful because he was like, what do you mean you can't? Who's telling you that you can't do that? And I had no answer for him. And that's why, you know, talking to you today, it's just like I'm having all these epiphanies of we feel like we don't have the permission to own our own lives. Mm -hmm. But after a few years out of college, you realize like, wait, what have I been doing? And who taught me that I should be going down this career path? And what... And why do I feel like I can't pursue these other things? And where does that come from? So I'm curious where you learned about shadow work and like your inner child, because I I am starting to hear about that more and more. And I'm curious where you learned that. So I think I got to a place and just kind of with a lot of what I learned now, uh, what I what I talk about now with IBS, um, with lifestyle things. They all stemmed from me just kind of sitting with myself and being like, holy shit, I'm kind of miserable. (laughs) And just asking myself why, because I, you know, ultimately it's on us to unpack those feelings. It's never anybody else's fault, no matter how often we want to, you know, ascribe fault to somebody else. Oh, my mom made me do this. You know, this was my situation growing up. Nothing changes unless we assume responsibility. And I was feeling like crap all the time because of my IBS. And so, you know, I started Googling all the things about IBS and I was feeling really sort of miserable with the um, sort of self-doubts that I was having and the self-conscious thoughts that I was having and the ways that I felt like I was reacting to the people around me. I was very easily irritable and honestly, a lot of my relationship with my boyfriend has been such an incredible mirror because I can see myself having these responses that I know are not warranted in the conversation. I know the situation totally warrants, you know, a yes or no, a very calm answer, but I could see myself getting really upset about things that I know didn't matter. 
And so I started seeking out resources and I, you know, I have no idea what I Googled, but I just was at this point where I was like, I feel really kind of gross with the way that I'm treating the world around me because I know if I have all of these feelings about everything happening around me, I'm the only central pillar to that. It's, it's my mind that's kind of, you know, creating these things. And I ended up finding the balanced blonde, do you know, Jordan Younger? Yeah. And the almost 30 podcast. And I have no idea how I found, I guess, because way back when she may have been friends with shut the kill up Jeanette. And I think just that that world originally was very small. So I knew who she was and I started listening to her podcast and she, I think had had Lacey Phillips on of to be magnetic and they, you know, talked all about the, and it was just stuff that I, you know, I heard And it went over my head because for the longest time I was like, oh, that doesn't apply to me. I don't have problems and just was very comfortable kind of like sitting in my agitated point in the world where I was like, everything sucks. (laughs) And then, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of exposure therapy, the more that you hear these people talking about these things that I kept hearing, you know, wounded inner child or, you know, our shadows kind of like taking advantage of situations that would otherwise be totally fine. And I just started kind of getting curious and one thing led to another and I ended up finding, I think all of Lacey Phillips' work is absolutely fantastic. She has a lot of modules on healing your inner child or doing shadow work. She has a lot of manifestation stuff too, you know, with love, with money, with whatever blockages that are Mm -hmm. essentially just boxes you put yourself in. You know, this is my, your shadow being sort of like the aspects about your personality that want to keep you small, kind of ego work, um, inner child being the things that you tell yourself are true, you know, a lot of limiting beliefs because of the way that you grew up or, you know, the way that your attachment style is or the way that you, you know, had your heart broken when you were 13 and you just decided that's the way that that's the world works. A lot of the stories we tell ourselves. Um, you know, I think Brene Brown too, she, <laughs> I think her uh, special on Netflix was great. She, a lot about vulnerability and the stories we tell ourselves. And I, you know, just listening to all of that really kind of looked at myself one day and I was like, what are the, the stories that I'm telling myself are trash. They are making me be a trash human being. And I started mm-hmm. just kind of chipping away from there. But I think you know, the universe, I read a quote the other day that was like, the teacher appears when the student is ready to learn. And I think me recognizing in those moments, like, hey, I'm not reacting very well to the things around me, was me signaling to the universe, like, hey, I'm ready to hear whatever it is I need to do to heal now. Um, And started diving in just kind of, you know, as soon as you decide you're ready for something, you start picking up on the on the places you can go to do that. Like when you know, the first time you yeah. notice, you know, oh, I never noticed that like street sign at the top of my street. And now it's the only thing you notice every time you go outside. So, yeah, I feel like also fear shows up in a way where it's like, oh, but it could be worse. Like you tell yourself whether it is about, you know, your job or your relationship, whatever it is, when you're scared to uncover what the truth is and like make those moves to do the work to move forward or make that big change in your life that you need to make fear comes up in a way where it's like well it could be worse well it's not that bad well my childhood was great so I don't need to work on that and I feel like that that is just the fear that's creeping in it's what we're so ingrained to believe in society too like 
no matter what you say, somebody is always going to say, oh, well, there's starving children in Africa. I'm like, okay, but that doesn't minimize the damage that I'm doing to my worldview. Like, I think if we take on the weight that somebody always has it worse than us, yes, you know, of course, but I don't think that that is an appropriate way to deflect personal responsibility for, you know, owning your shit. And you still, you have to be responsible for you. Yeah. Yeah, that, I I think there's a lot of guilt and shame that comes with complaining about your life circumstances when you know that there's worse out there. But like you said, there's always going to be someone struggling harder. There's always going to be someone who has, you know, a quote unquote worse life experience than you or a harder life experience than you but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't handle what's on your plate and face what's on your plate if it's making you unhappy even if it's not quote-unquote that bad and could be worse you should still face it because like you're the only person who's in charge of your life and that's something I'm starting to realize like no one's gonna fix this fix this for you just because it's not that bad doesn't mean someone's gonna come in and fix it for you like if you're not happy you got to own it and like do the work and figure out why you're not happy, figure out the story you're telling yourself. And I just think that's, it's, it's really cool that that shows in your story, how you made those steps. You were like, well, I'm not happy in work. So why don't I dabble in my passion a little and like learn more on the side? I'm not going to do anything with it, but, but let me just do that. And it's like, you had to tell yourself, oh, I'm not going to do anything with it, but it'll make me happy right now. And then like, as the months or the years passed, you realized it's, it's like that thing inside of you grows and grows and it gets louder and louder. And I'm assuming like as you continued to blog and talk about gut health and all of these things that actually interest you, it's like the louder the voice got. And you yeah. could tell me if I'm wrong, but it, was that your experience? And how did you finally, yeah. you know, make the decision where you're like, no, this is what I should be doing full time. And it's a lot of anxiety that comes with like a big life change like that. So how did you navigate that? Um, currently still navigating the anxiety. The anxiety is very much present. It has not gone anywhere. It is being dealt with a little bit, <laughs> very much present, but the, yeah, I think you nailed that pretty correctly. I, I think it was, I was doing something that was so unaligned to what I think I was put on this earth to do that. It was just it got to a point where it was like, this is not even like funny. This is not even a funny joke from the universe. It's just like, I was like a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. Like I was just good at what I did. Cause I was nice and I paid attention and I tried really hard, but that doesn't mean that you have to stay somewhere just because you're good at the thing that you're doing and you're appreciated. Um, because I was waking up every day and just completely miserable and I think the pandemic made my work environment a lot more high stress um, and it just devolved to a place over the past year where you know I I had no intention really of taking Instagram full-time and I had it in my mind for a while that oh you know I'll, I'll apply to other jobs around New York and do something similar and break into like a really cool technology industry up in New York and be a whole you know New York technology cool girl or whatever whatever I was planning on doing and I applied to a ton of jobs in New York I applied to jobs at you know Peloton at HelloFresh at Daily Harvest like all of the cool things that I thought oh you know if I were to stay in this industry that would be exactly what I'd want to do 
And I got far some places, I got rejected straight up from other places. And just slowly, slowly, I felt like the universe was like, hey, you're trying in all of these places where you're not supposed to go, you know exactly what it is you want to do. Almost kind of like I was teasing myself with, you know, building this phenomenal community on Instagram, loving yoga teacher training, loving everything about my relationship with yoga loving the stuff that I was sharing on Instagram that was really hitting home for people about IBS and just kind of how we talked about it. The information feels so inaccessible. And I had so much fun creating community around the things that I had to learn the hard way that I, you know, felt great sharing with people. Um, And I feel like I hit a point a couple of months ago, you know, maybe, maybe right around the when the pandemic started. So about a year ago, where I was like, what if I did do this full time? What would that look like? What would that feel like? And I I think I operated mostly off of feeling and so attracted to the feeling of my job being supporting my community. And, um, you know, there is nothing that I love more. There's like, I wake up every single day so excited no matter how daunting the day ahead is no matter how terrifying it is to work for yourself um I wake up every day so excited and not an ounce of regret and it just once I had kind of let myself entertain the idea of working for myself for long enough and I let my mind go there for long enough I I I couldn't shake the feeling of that being what I had to do next So, but I think it's funny because a lot of us, I think, know we want to do these things and we, we don't let our minds entertain what that would look like. We don't let ourselves create the plan. We don't let ourselves go down that mental rabbit hole, at least not for long enough. You know, we maybe skim the surface and we peek inside and we go, oh, that would be really fun, wouldn't it? And just kind of like move around it because it's absolutely terrifying. It's that, but I can't, that I was saying mm-hmm. earlier. It's like, but I yeah. can't do that, so let's stop thinking about it because it's not going to happen. Exactly. But if you have someone to say, why can't you? It's terrifying, but I, I think that it's exactly what you're saying if you play around with the idea long enough. And it, I think it's really inspiring to hear someone enjoy their job because oh I think God. there's this idea yeah. that we all have in our heads and I know a lot of people experience this where it's like, well, you're not supposed to love your job. Like, you have to make money. You have to go there. Like, it is what it is. And sure, the, listen, it's a privilege to say, oh, you can love your job. Just quit. I'm not saying, you know, everyone should just go quit their job and everyone can right. do whatever they want. But you can work towards something and you can you can make money in a field that would just fill you up more. I'm not even saying, you know being entrepreneurial, but just hearing someone enjoy their job and wake up happy, that feels so impossible for so many people and so something that they will just never experience. But like you're saying, if they just play around with the idea long enough and allow themselves to go there, it's like you can get in that mode of just planning, okay, so what's next? Or like one, what's one step I can do to at least like what you did, you kept your job and made you feel safe but you you made one step in like getting the certification and feeling like you were, you know, at least your life was going more in that direction where you could also do something you enjoyed. So I, I just think it's so powerful and it's so sad that it's so powerful to hear someone say, I wake up happy and excited to work every day. I know. Yeah. And, and Jen, I mean, Jen, I was I was that person that I 
anytime anyone asked me how I was, I was like, oh, miserable, horrible. I'm, you know, work sucks. Like I suck. Everything sucks. And would go, you know, kind of end the day thinking about the interactions I had. And it, I was so disgusted with myself at a certain point that that was my response to every question that somebody asked me because I was so miserable at my job and it's fun to complain about things and it feels like solidarity because we're around so many people often that feel the same way because we, you know, we do the things we think we're supposed to do. And of course, it is such a privileged lens to be able to say, you know, all all of the things that were afforded to me because of who I am set me up to be able to be in this position. But there was almost no choice left for me. Like I, the words coming out of my mouth when people asked me how I felt were all negative. And that was, you know, just not a place that I think anyone can exist for very long. Yeah, but we're taught that, you know, that's work. That's what it's Mm -hmm. supposed to be. Um, And it's hard. It's hard to find what it is you like doing. And some people after college will just stay in their job for years because they finally actually got a job and it took them a while. And they're just like, I don't want to apply for another one. But it is trial and error too. Like the more, you know, whether it's hobbies, passions, jobs, you try out, you figure out what you do like and what you don't like. And I think it's just inspiring to see there is a light at the end of the tunnel. If anyone's listening to this and hates their job, that, you know, it doesn't have to be working for yourself. That's not for everyone, but you can figure it out and you should take the steps and like play around with different ideas in your head and it will come up for you. It will, as long as you really try to push through the fear, you know, just playing around with the idea that can be so scary to so many of us, but it doesn't mean yeah. you're doing anything. Like you got to allow your mind to just go there. But I can imagine that bringing it back to IBS, this stress and the anxiety is not helping your IBS. And that's actually something I wanted to talk about was like the correlation between anxiety and IBS. Because for me, when I have been, you know, definitely pre-pandemic, it was way worse because my job, especially in New York City, like I'm in PR, I'm going to events at night, like so crazy, so high stress. It's like I can finally get lunch in and I'm scarfing down a huge sweet green salad and it's leaving me bloated and I'm so stressed. And like all of that high stress energy just made me 10 times more bloated, 10 times gassier. Like my IBS would always flare up. It didn't matter what I was eating. It didn't matter what medication I was having. It directly correlates with my stress, which is frustrating in some ways because I'm like just give me a pill just give me you know a diet program but in other ways it's it's forced me to be more mindful and intuitive so I'm curious you know what are your thoughts on that correlation between anxiety and IBS yeah there is so 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 much strong research to support um, instances of stress and anxiety and IBS we have a nerve that goes all the way it's our largest craniosacral nerve that goes all the way from our brain into a ton of different organs but primarily our gut and it is um, interestingly most of the signals that go through the gut like we would think stem from the brain and go to the gut and telling our organs what to do but that nerve actually works primarily in the opposite way it's mainly our gut telling our brain what's going on and you know the feeling of butterflies or the feeling of needing to go to the bathroom before a very big event or having to public speak is our brain is our gut 
acting as our brain saying, hey, something exciting is going on or hey, something terrifying is going on. I cannot control, you know, the blood in the body to digest because we have more important things to be doing than digesting right now. The brain needs more blood. Our body needs more blood to kind of keep us alert and keep us moving. So digestion is shutting down. We're saying peace out. We're going to, we'll talk later. Um, And it does not activate our parasympathetic nervous system, which is what we need to both calm down and to digest. It's very literally called the rest and digest mode. And when we are scarfing down salads and high stress and, you know, running around all the time and not taking care of ourselves, our body doesn't get the chance to go into that rest and digest mode. So what we're digesting, we're doing it very poorly. We're not absorbing all of the nutrients we need to our body is panicking because it is, you know, reallocating the energy and the blood to other places in order to keep us functioning and keep us alive. And we, you know, the correlation with stress and anxiety is huge. There's a lot of really interesting research coming out about CBD and IBS in that way with the stress and anxiety response and effect on IBS. Um, There is not enough yet and they haven't done enough trials yet to have much conclusive evidence but from what i've read things are trending in a very interesting and promising direction um and i was just reading about this earlier there's also a lot of research coming out about gut directed hypnotherapy which i think is fascinating um and it is being shown to be as effective in managing symptoms as the low fodmap diet which i think is wild um yeah. And it's all about, you know, all of the research studies they've done have been in clinical settings with professionals who know exactly what it is they need to be doing, but very much putting you in a space over a period of several sessions where you're visualizing you calming down and your gut being okay and you, you know, managing symptoms and things working smoothly and effectively um, and really focusing on diaphragmatic breathing, which helps to activate that parasympathetic nervous system that shuts down when we're stressed and running around and going crazy. Um, so there are a lot of cool tools mm-hmm. to help manage that. But, at the, you know, kind of to the same token, th- those are band-aids, right? If we're not looking at the actual cause of stress and anxiety and dealing with those, I know anxiety is something that a lot of people deal with. It doesn't particularly have a rhyme or reason. Um, But if we're, you know, I think it's important to focus both on the root causes and the band-aids because they both play an important role. It's very important to have a toolkit that works for you the way that, you know, in a pinch where you really need something. But we can't keep working out of our toolkit when we are not even looking at, you know, why the issue is there in the first place. Yeah. So how can we do that? Like that makes complete sense to me, rest and digest, like the lifestyle I was living before the pandemic versus now my IBS is so much better now because I'm not running around scarfing down salads anymore. But for people who are, you know, in high stress positions and running around all day, like how can they intentionally stop and rest and digest when physically stopping and resting isn't a part of, you know, their job or their, their daily routine? Yeah, I think um, 
meditation is a really interesting tool because I think, and I think we think of meditation as this very daunting, you know, like transcendental meditation where you have to do it 20 Mm -hmm. minutes a day, two times a day. Meditation is very much just taking your mind and your body out of your surroundings, out of the chatter in your mind and focusing on your breath and focusing on slowing down and coming back into your body. And that can be done with your eyes closed anywhere that can, you know, go to the bathroom and take an extra 30 seconds sitting on the toilet or locked in the bathroom stall. Take a couple Mm -hmm. of really deep breaths. Focus on your exhale. Your exhales are what activate that parasympathetic nervous system. Um, You know, I would suggest Googling how to do diaphragmatic breathing. That's a really great tool. And you can do that literally anywhere. Um, But it's about not tricking your body, but thinking about how you can activate that parasympathetic nervous system and how you can calm down in the moments where everything around you is going crazy. And I think learning how to get yourself into a meditative state, no matter whether that's, you know, a five minute headspace, headspace also has little modules called like SOS modules that are, you know, anywhere from, I think one minute to three minutes. Um, And, this is not the most fun answer, but I think if you are in a place where you cannot carve out one to five minutes for yourself to digest a meal or to take a couple of deep breaths or to have, you know, 30 seconds of alone time, I think that begs the question of, you know, what are you setting yourself up for? Are you willing to compromise your well-being for whatever professional or social or, you know, whatever academic goals you have to the point where you can't cut out, you know, one to five minutes to do a really quick meditation or do a really quick breath work or to, you know, find a place to do something therapeutic briefly, something that requires just you, your breath, your mind. That's the harder question that I think people don't often like to look at. And I think you know, there are situations where that's not possible often. Like if you're a busy mom of young kids, that may require locking yourself in the bathroom for 30 seconds or whatever case may be, you really working with your partner to understand um, how you can get those couple of minutes or asking somebody for help or, you know, locking yourself in the closet. I don't, I don't know, but I think that's really up to everybody to determine how to carve out that space to really just kind of come back to center and ground back down even just really briefly. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. And I don't know if, did you read Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed? I did. Yeah, so she talks about how she literally locked herself in her closet and just like connected with her inner self for 10 minutes while her kids were eating or whatever they were doing where she didn't have to be present. And I think that's a also really important point, like, If you're at work, you can go to the bathroom. No one's going to question you going to the bathroom. Sit in the stall and do your breathing. Um, Because I agree, anything that helps with taking that time to, like, reduce your anxiety in any way directly helps with your gut. It's the only thing that's helped me ever. I tried – have you heard of um, Wim Hof's breathing? I do it every morning. Really? I do it every morning. I love him. Okay, so I was doing it every morning for, like, eight months. And it, it, it's the one thing that fully changed my IBS and my bloating issue. It completely changed everything for me, but I actually did stop and change and switch to kundalini breath work because I got bored, to be honest. But both are amazing. Right. Breath work is fantastic because one of, 
one of the things, so our vagus nerve that connects our gut to our brain oftentimes can become compromised for several, a, a whole ton of different reasons. So a lot of what is important with long-term healing from IBS is strengthening that vagus nerve, strengthening its response. And breath work is a phenomenal way to do that. Other ways to do that are <laughs> gargling, like really aggressive gargling for a long period of time, which is a weird and that. less attractive. Yeah. But also laughing <laughs> and singing at the top of your lungs, but breath work and Kundalini. Like when I have clients that love Kundalini, I'm like, oh my God, yes, you are so on it. Like you're doing great things for your IBS. Um, and the Wim Hof is 10 minutes a morning. It's not a huge time commitment. And I sometimes like it a little bit better than meditation because meditation requires you to get very quiet in order to connect mm -hmm. with yourself. And I know for a lot of people who are very busy or very stressed, that's like the most intimidating thing. But with Wim Hof, he's he's counting down your breaths for you. He's telling you lovely things like you're doing just great. Like <laughs> in his accent, that's yeah. just so amazing. And it's a great way to be present physically with your body without actually having to be, you know, quiet and, and kind of alone with your thoughts. And you feel your stomach calming down. Like the breathing, mm -hmm. you're feeling your stomach like having its time. You're giving your stomach attention. I feel like yeah. all I'm trying to do, I'm just stressing myself out. And I was scarfing down big meals. And I wasn't like being mindful with my stomach. And there's something about just sitting down and doing the breath work that is so impactful and I think is like the main thing that has completely transformed my stomach. And that's why I think anxiety plays such a huge role in stomach issues in general, just like any issues with your gut at all. And I have a feeling that's what you mean by intentional living, but I know that you always talk about intentional living on your platform. So can you talk a little bit about what that means? Yeah, I mean, I think kind of what we've been talking about this entire time right. has been intentional living, like those questions and those moments where you stop yourself and say, why do I do this thing that I don't like to do? Or, you know, intuition is a hard thing to build, but I think listening to your intuition uh, as often as you possibly can, and that can be as small as in the morning, like one way that I do that is when I wake up, do I want like an espresso latte or do I want black coffee? I don't have I don't have like a routine with that specific thing, but every morning I wake up and I ask myself that and it's like the smallest way to just play with your intuition and to hone in on what you want. And you know, those two options differ so slightly in the effect they have and the taste. They're <laughs> practically the same thing. Um but having those really, really small ways just to kind of play with your intuition. And then you can take that into larger scale decisions. Um, and, you know, I think it really just boils down to checking in with yourself and asking yourself, you know, what you want to eat for lunch, like what you genuinely want to eat for lunch. And that's a whole conversation about intuitive eating, which other people much smarter than me have the reins taken care of perfectly there. But um, <laughs> I think it applies to so much because, you know, when we go back to the root causes of anxiety and coping mechanisms and the way we get to where we are today, those are all decisions not rooted in our intuition, right? They're rooted in what we think we should do or what somebody else wanted us to do or the most sort of logical thing, the safe thing, the thing we needed to do because we needed the money. You know, there's a time and place for everything. Um, right. But I think when you're ready to ask those questions, 
is when you see the most amount of healing physically, mentally, in relationships, and career, and you know, you you slowly work your way towards alignment. Alignment mm-hmm. being, you know, you looking around at the things in your life, the people in your life, what you're spending your time doing, and being able to say like, oh, I really like this. Yeah. I think that's something that I've gained from the pandemic, to be honest. The pandemic is absolutely awful for so many reasons. But I think the slowing down aspect of it and being able to intuitively think about what I want to do today, what I want to do tomorrow morning, when do I want to wake up? Because there's no longer that set time that I have to get up and go commute. And there's none of that anymore. So it's allowed me personally to be more intuitive and intentional about my decisions as well. Even as far as, you know, my friends want to go out for dinner. Do I feel comfortable with this? Like, let me not be impulsive and say, yes, do I feel comfortable in a group setting? Do I want to be alone today? Like we didn't, I don't feel as though we had the time to really sit with those decisions. We were just going in the routine of life and moving with the motions of life and doing what we should be doing and, you know, whatever we're used to doing. But I think having this extreme shift, every single person in the world has had an extreme life change this year. And having to sort of figure out what you want to do during this time and what your new routine is going to be without your new job sort of telling you what your routine is going to be. You know, you have to be here at this time. We've been able to sort of cultivate our own new routines and our own way of living this year. And I think you know, had you have spoken about intentional living a year ago, it might not have resonated with so many people, but it totally makes sense to me because it's something that I'm experiencing and that I hope we can all take into everyday life as the pandemic starts to subside, hopefully, knock on wood. But I also wanted to ask you about, you speak a lot about gut to soul connection. So I know all of these things are intertwined, but can we just talk about what that means? Yeah, I I think... Again, we, you know, sort of have encapsulated that entire concept in this conversation where the worst of my gut issues, and I think the worst of a lot of issues, you know, health issues show up when we look around and say, I don't like what I'm doing. I don't like the people I'm surrounded with. I don't like the decisions I'm making. I don't like the XYZ thing about my life. And also I feel like crap. My stomach hurts. My IBS is worse than it's ever been before. I can't catch a break. And I think it is the, you know, responsibility we each take personally for how to change those things and the questions we ask to get ourselves out of those place and how connected what we choose to do and think and look at and work on is connected to our well-being, whether that is your gut health or that is your emotional health or hormonal health or, you know, whatever the case may be. And I'm 100% for medical intervention. That's the first Mm -hmm. step that I recommend anybody ever, ever, ever take, no matter what the case is. But beyond that, when, when you're in the situation of the doctor that says, oh, you know, I don't really think anything is wrong with you. I think, you know, you just have IBS or you just, you know, have XYZ thing. Um, Dialing it way, way, way back to those uncomfortable questions and really figuring out if, like, your soul is happy if you are happy with the connections and the life that you've built for yourself and that is a terrifying concept that's a heavy concept that I think is daunting and requires a lot of 
hard questions to work through, but I, I really think they all connect together in one large, 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 messy web. And my gut health issues didn't get better or didn't go away until I had looked at all of it. And I'm still 100% a work in progress. I am barely Mm -hmm. scratching the surface of everything I would like to look at and uncover and unbox and heal. But nothing in my gut health got measurably better until I took the steps to look at why I was doing the things that were causing, you know, SIBO, how I got there in the first place, the stress flares that I was having for IBS that you know, seemed nonstop. There were a lot of hard questions I had to ask myself. And I think the gut to soul connection really is connecting and being in this space where you're ready and willing to connect your whole life to how you're feeling physically, emotionally, mentally, because they all bleed together into one kind of scary, messy way. But I think that's the only way that we actually find genuine sort of healing. Yeah, I love this message because... Gut health is something, you know, if you're struggling with IBS or you're feeling pain, if you go to a gut health Instagram, for example, and you're seeing these recipes and you're like, wait, that thing hurts my stomach. That doesn't work for me. It goes back Mm -hmm. to what I mentioned before. Every single person's stomach and body is different and there's not one solution for every single person. But what really does help is when you get down to what are your stressors, what mindfulness practices and also just like being in tune with your body like that takes a lot of intention and a lot of you know being intuitive and listening to your body to understand what foods are hurting you what you know are you not exercising enough this week is that why your stomach hurts like I notice when I'm not walking as much and I'm sitting a lot more I'm more bloated so I just love the message of it goes way deeper than just you know what like food sensitivities and recipes and everything like that I think going down to any mindfulness practice, anything that's going to feed your soul is going to show up in your body and how you feel no matter what. So I just love that your platform is so holistic. You know, people say they're holistic, but your platform is truly <laughs> every – like it's holistic. It's I love that you say the soul and gut connection. I just – it resonates with me so much. And I think a lot of other people who deal with IBS because as we mentioned, it's – It's a very ambiguous diagnosis and honestly I'm grateful because it's it's allowed me to discover breath work and discover these practices because they've really helped my stomach but then they're really helping me as a whole and as a human being so it's pretty cool that we're being led to these you know yoga breath work kundalini like all of these practices are actually helping but they're helping your mind and your body and I just think it's amazing. Yeah, I I think it's, you know, it's not the first place people tend to look when they get an IBS diagnosis. They're not going to go, oh, let me go research Kundalini. Like that is like 17 steps down the line. But I think that conversation and the conversation we're having is really when you, you have the diagnosis, you don't really know where to turn or maybe you've tried everything and you just have the lingering pieces of something just won't kick it, something just won't quit, it won't go away. And, you know, you've looked at the diets, and you've looked at the pills and the protocols and all the stuff. But you never look at this part. And this part is is typically the reason why we see things recurring or um, just kind of lingering in our bodies. And it's it's not the intuitive place that you go looking first when you need answers. 
which is fine. I don't think it should be. I think everyone needs to do their research. And I try to share as much as I can about the, you know, medical and functional components about IBS and how we get it and what things cause it and what things help it. Cause that's all important. But I think the missing mm-hmm. piece in so many conversations, is everything that we just talked about, because that's how you get yeah. the coping mechanisms or how you, you know, you don't listen to your body when every time you eat an apple and your body's like, Hey, I'm gonna like shit my pants <laughs> where you need to kind of like <laughs> dial it back in and go like, Oh, just because so-and-so healthy person is eating an apple for a snack. Like that clearly doesn't work for me. And I think a lot of times our minds are just not opened to that reality. And I think that it is such an important part of the conversation. And I love getting to be a part of that conversation. Yeah. And it can be frustrating. Like you want to just be able to have a green juice or, you know, live your best life and like make healthy meals all day and feel great about yourself. And then you make all these trendy, healthy meals and you're like, wait, Mm -hmm. I feel like absolute shit. And it's frustrating because you're trying to do right by your body and then you realize, wait, these things don't work with me. So then you're like, oh, so should I just eat pasta all day and not nutritious things? It gets very frustrating. And then it becomes the cycle because you're stressed out and anxious and it makes everything worse. Exactly. Exactly. I just feel for everyone who's struggling with it. And I think that your message is so important because it's when you do focus too much on the food and medications aren't working, it stresses you out more. And then it, it's this vicious cycle. So at a certain point, I'm with you. I just got to a point where I was like, I'm just going to focus on the only thing that's really been helping. And it's these, the breathing and the mindful practices. So again, love your message, but let's go into the ending segment. So fun facts and favorites. What is your morning routine? My morning routine, I'm still kind of nailing down being self-employed. Um, so morning routine is getting shaken out, but I'm typically, my alarm goes off at 6.30, but I'm typically out of bed by like 7. And I go to the bathroom, I brush my teeth, I immediately make a cup of coffee. And while I'm waiting for my coffee to cool down, I do my 10-minute Wim Hof breath work. Um, and it's like the perfect amount of time for my coffee to cool down and for me to get that in. <laughs> If I'm feeling extra super anxious, um, I will also try to sneak in a 10-minute headspace meditation. doesn't always happen, um, but I try to always do the breath work. And from there, I typically like to look at my to-do list. I always try to make my to-do list the night before because I find that I have a more realistic vision of what needs to happen the next day versus waking up in the morning and kind of just throw, <laughs> throwing everything on my to-do list and being like, these yeah. are all extremely important. It's almost like the day of you have no foresight whatsoever because you're just so in the in the moment and the day is happening. But, you know, so I like to make my to-do list the night before for some logical perspective. Um, <laughs> and from there, I will either work out or make breakfast, typically check social media around like 7.38. I really try not to, but it is just it happens sometimes. I know. And, you know, between the hours of eight and noon, I am still seriously trying to figure it out. I, I typically end up eating breakfast around like 1030. I am a pretty late breakfast eater. I don't intentionally intermittent fast, but it, that just kind of is how my hunger cues tend to go. Mm-hmm. But if I am hungry at like 830, I'll eat breakfast at 830. Um, I don't have any rules about that or anything. Emails and then any sort of quick things I can tick off my to-do list in the morning. Um, I'm working on getting a better morning routine, but so far that's typically what it looks like. Some I like yours though because you have a baseline. You know what time you're getting up. You have 
you have somewhat of a structure, but it's like room to see what you're in the mood for that morning. That's how I roll too. I'm like, it's almost a little too intuitive. Like, I think I need some structure. (laughs) I know. I know. I'm trying to figure mine out too. Mine's been changing a little and I'm like getting all confused and they all seem similar, but I'm like, I need to like start. I'm too intuitive about my workouts. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll do one at 3 p.m. today. Maybe I'll do one at 10 a.m. today. I'm like, I wish I just did it the same time every day, but work in progress. Um, Yeah. So what's your favorite podcast to listen to? I rotate like sometimes I'm in like really intense grooves with one and I'm like Mm -hmm. I hate this other one but then like two weeks later the other one will be my favorite um I love the skinny confidential him and her podcast I wish they would do one every single day I'm obsessed with both Lauren and Michael I love almost 30 I listen to almost all of theirs and I love Jordan Younger's soul on fire podcast I don't always listen to hers but I do fairly frequently I would say the two that I listen to um, most often are the Skinny Confidential and Almost 30. Okay, we have the same taste in podcasts because mine (laughs) mine is exactly the same. So you need to also listen to OK Sis because that's the other one I have on rotation. So I have a feeling you'll like them. (laughs) Okay, I'm literally going to add that to my list right now. Yeah, they're really funny. They're sisters. I actually had them on this podcast. It's so great. It's a little less woo-woo. That's but, okay. I'm not fully on yeah. the woo-woo train, so I like I like the medium woo-woo. It's great because, like, one of the sisters is very woo-woo and the other one's very not, so it's, like, a funny mix. And they're doing Lacey Phillips, too, so I feel Amazing. like you'll like them. Yeah. Okay. Um, when do you feel your happiest? Oh, my gosh. Well, I can give you a very recent example. I felt so happy yesterday. I was outside at a park just sitting in the sunshine like pure vitamin D. I probably got burnt. I don't know. I was lathered in sunscreen, <laughs> but there were puppies everywhere. And like right now, just oh. given the state of the past year, there's nothing that makes me happier right now than just like sitting in direct sunlight <laughs> and feeling like a plant that has been like locked inside for a year. <laughs> and I'm finally just like getting a chance to breathe again which is so simple and so silly, but like I hope to spend every minute of my summer just outside, like sweating profusely, basking in sunshine. I think every New Yorker feels the same way. Yeah, that's all I want. Finally feeling like the energy outside in the parks in the city again. It's it's so great. I'm I'm with you. Um, Okay, last question. This is my favorite question. What would be your last meal on earth? I was thinking about this one and I (laughs) kind of came up with an answer that I thought like I was almost a little bit proud of myself because I've come so far (laughs) with my sort of like intuitive eating journey. But the first thing I thought of was the brown butter chocolate chip cookies from Whole Foods. If you have never had them, they are straight up the best cookies I've ever had in my life. They are so good. Like my boyfriend and I fight over. You, You have to. Um, hot tip, put them in the fridge and eat them cold out of the fridge. And they are so good. They get like really chewy and that's my favorite. I'm so excited. Um, Yeah. And then I think probably like Thai food. I love Thai food. Um, there's a spot around the corner called top Thai that we order from like literally once a week. It is so good. Probably that. And then maybe like a really good spicy margarita mocktail. Um, cause I think if it was my last meal on earth, I'd like to be like fully present for it and like fully with whatever feelings I was having. <laughs> um, so spicy margarita mocktail. 
I love that answer. I'm going to get those cookies later, and I'm going to be ordering so from good. that Thai place later, too. It's so great. Okay, where can the people find you? The people can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Isabel Karitsis. Um, it's spelled just like it sounds, K-O-R-I-T-S-A-S. And my website is good-gut-feelings.com. Good Gut Feelings is the name of my brand. So if you Google Good Gut Feelings, you'll find me. If you Google Isabel Karitsis, you'll find me in all the podcasts that I've been on. Um, yeah, I think that's mainly it. Awesome. I'll have all the links in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming, Isabel. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I would so appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate, review, and definitely subscribe so that you don't miss another insightful episode. You can also engage with the community on the Dare to Self Care podcast Instagram. So definitely join us all there. And I will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.